temple uh, is that they built the temple before they built the walls. Uh, they built the place of worship before they built uh, the thing of protection around them. Uh, but Nehemiah comes back as a, as a leader to do this. And as we look in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1 tells of Nehemiah's concern for the condition of his city. And then chapter number 2 tells of his courage as he goes before the king and he asks for authority to go back to rebuild the walls. And the end of chapter 2 tells of Nehemiah commissioning the men to begin building the city. And then chapter 3, it tells of the commitment of the people as the wall is put together. You read through chapter 3, and it just says over and over again that they put this wall together, and this group of people put this wall together. And it shows the commitment that they had to complete the project that God had given to them. But then in chapter number 4, we read of the real first real conflict that they were going to face as a group of people that were trying to accomplish something for the Lord. In chapter number 4, in verse number 10, Nehemiah gets this report from the people. In verse number 10, it says, The strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And then as we read in verse number 12, we see the fear that they had. It said it came to pass that when the Jews dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all the places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. You see what we read about in these two verses is the people had reached a breaking point. They were building and they were serving and they were putting together the wall uh, there in their city, but it was nothing to be, uh, it was not a light task, it was a big responsibility and they were doing it well for some time, but then they reached this point where it seems as if it just became too much. And the weight of the responsibility and the weight of the, the task that was at hand became such a heavy load that the Bible says the people had no more strength to build. They had grown weary, they had become discouraged, and they looked at all of the rubbish that was left to be put back together, and they said it is too big of a job. And then in verse number 12, they had gotten to this place where they thought it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter where we go. The enemy is always a step ahead of us. The enemy is going to destroy us in some way. But here's what you, we read. If you go back to chapter number 2, I want you to see this. It reminds us that the enemy is extremely persistent. We're going to get to our text in a minute, but I want you to have a foundation when we get there. But in chapter number 2, in verse number 10, Nehemiah has decided he has been commissioned to go and rebuild these walls. But in verse number 10, it said, When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the servant, and the Ammonite, look at this, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And then in verse number 19, the Bible reads, But when Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian, look at this, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? And then if you go to chapter 4, verse number 1, after all of the progress that had been made, it came to pass that when Sanballat, notice again, heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. But then in verse number 7 of chapter 4, 
They continued to serve the Lord and work and build the wall. Verse number 7 says, It came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth or angry and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. And look at this, and to hinder it. And in verse number 11 it says, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. The the enemy was persistent in what he was doing to try and cause the work of God to be hindered and to see the work of God come to a stop and for it to no longer go on. I, I would like to just share with you two things before we read our text. And number one is this, the enemy is committed to seeing the work of God stop. I mean, that that is the enemy's goal is to make sure that whatever God is doing, that it will not go any further, that it will not be successful, and that God will not be able to accomplish in the lives of His people what God wants to accomplish. Can I say this morning that the enemy is not just a general enemy that hates everybody, but I hope that you know this morning the enemy hates you. I mean, on a personal level, just like God loves me, Satan hates me. And just like God wants to see me prosper in His will, Satan wants to see me destroyed in His will. And the enemy in this setting and in this text was persistent and he was not going to give up until the work came to a stop. And there is nothing more than the devil would like to see than the work that God is doing in your life come to a stop. He wants to see what God is doing in your family and what God is doing in this church. He wants to see everything good that God is trying to accomplish. He just wants to see it stop. He wants to hinder it. He wants it to be destroyed. And he wants the people of God to leave the work of God in all of the rubbish that it was in before. And I hope that you know this, the devil isn't going to stop until the devil is stopped by the Lord. The devil isn't going to give up because you're tough. The devil isn't going to give up because you put up a fight. The devil is going to fight you until the very day that you die. And he's going to fight your family. And he's going to fight this church. And he's going to do everything that he can. Notice when Nehemiah came into the city. The Bible says that Sanballat heard of it and he got mad. He showed displeasure. Well, then Nehemiah kept going, so Sanballat began to laugh at him and mock him. But Nehemiah kept going, so then he began to despise him. And he began to to, to say things about him. But Nehemiah kept going, and there was nothing left for the enemy to do except to attack the very people that were trying to do the work of God and cause it to stop. And there may be times in your life you say, well, I'm not going to give in to the devil. And you say, I'm not going to give up because the devil did this. Can I say the devil ain't going to give up either? And you may put up a fight. And you may say he can laugh at me and he can mock me and he can say what he wants to do. But there will come a day in your life that the devil will go one step further. He's going to get people to say things about you. He's going to get people to do things against you. But there will come a day when the devil says, oh, this isn't working. And he's going to attack you in a way that you've never been attacked before. Here's the thing about 
about the devil, the devil has no standards. The devil doesn't care about right and wrong. The devil doesn't care about how bad it hurts your family. The devil doesn't care about what it's going to do to your name. The devil wants to ruin everything about you. And the enemy is not here to play games. The enemy is here to win. And he is persistent and he is not going to give up but I want you to see the second thing before we read our text and that is this everybody here has a breaking point I would love to stand before you this morning and say that I can endure anything that you were to throw at me that that I could stand here and say there's not one thing on planet earth that would cause my faith or my commitment to shake but I think that would be a lie this morning and it would be a lie for you and it would be a lie for anybody else because every person has a breaking point. Every Christian, if you haven't come to it yet, you will come to a place in your life where you will wonder deep down, is it really worth it? And you will wonder, should I continue to press on? The Israelites got to this point and they said, look, there is way too much rubbish out here. They looked and they said there, there are too many walls to rebuild and the enemy is everywhere around us and it doesn't matter where we go, the enemy is going to attack us in some way. And they reached this point and they said we just can't do it anymore. And you say, man, I, they just didn't have enough faith. They just didn't have enough faith in the Lord. That sounds good. I remember when I was younger and I would see people, whether it be in the ministry or just in church, and they just quit. Things happened in their life and I thought, well, boy, they must just not love Jesus, you know, because they just laid up and walked. And then one day life hit me and I thought, hey, this is a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. And I realized this, that every person, no matter how much they love the Lord and no matter how strong we might think they are, they all have a breaking point. That There is all a point in our life where the weight will just get so heavy that we don't know if we can continue on, if we don't know if we can carry all of this. We look at our family and we say, man, my family, I don't know if there's any hope for my family. And we look and we say, I don't know if there's any hope for my health. I don't know if there's any hope for my church. I don't know if there's any hope for my career or whatever it may be. And we just get to that point. We say, I just don't know if it can be accomplished anymore. That's where the children of Israel were at. They got to this point, the enemy was surrounding them, the threats were real, the, the, wall, the overwhelming task just weighed on their mind and it was, it was hard and it was heavy to continue to go. I want you to know this, if you ever reach the point or when you reach the point of being overwhelmed, and when you reach the breaking point in life and you begin to wonder deep down if you can make it, I want you to know this, you are not the only person that has ever reached that point. All right, You are not the only person who has ever considered whether or not the fight is worth fighting. You are not the first person, nor will you be the last person that reaches that point. I, I know what we do when we get to that point, when we, when we find ourselves struggling and we find ourselves wrestling with the weight of the world and the weight of our circumstances and, and all of these things that are going on, there is a part of us that wants to isolate ourselves, and there is a part of us that wants to hide because we feel all of this pressure. And here's what happens. We are ashamed 
of reaching a breaking point, aren't we? We were ashamed that we have reached this place that we have even considered quitting. I want you to know that the greatest Christian on your list of heroes of the faith reached a point in their life where they wondered whether or not they should keep going. Don't spend all of your time beating yourself up because you are at that point. There is a message for you in the Word of God that is not to shame you, but it is to encourage you and get you out of that place. God's not here this morning to make you feel ashamed of all that you've ever done. God's here to help you get from that to the place that He wants you to be so that you can get back to the wall, so that you can get back to the work, so that you can get busy again serving the Lord and not spending all of your time trying to hide from the crowd and hide from the public eye and do all of that to conceal every wrong thing and every struggle that you've ever had. You aren't the first and you aren't the last and God's brought people out of it and if He brought others out of it, here's what I know, He can bring us out of it as well and He can give us the victory and here's what He did for the people in Nehemiah's day in chapter number 4 and verse number 14. Here we are, we find this setting, they are overburdened, they have reached the breaking point and Nehemiah says in verse number 14, I looked and I rose up And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. And look at this. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Man, I just I read that message over and over again. Nehemiah said, "Listen, don't don't be afraid of the enemy. All right, don't 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 fear them. But here is what I want you to do. I want you to remember the Lord and remember how great and awesome and wonderful and mighty the Lord is." When Nehemiah realized that the people were struggling, he did not shame them. He did not kick them while they were down, but he encouraged them and he pointed their attention to the one person that had the ability to help them in the time of need and that was the Lord Almighty. He said, hey, remember Him and remember what He has done. Remember who He is and do not forget how awesome He is. It is easy when the devil is fighting us and when the devil is working on us. And I know that you've been there. Some of you have come to church before and I've said, how are you? And some of you were honest and said, boy, the devil's just been working on me this whole week. You, you know how that feels. I mean, all week long the devil is just pricking and prodding and doing everything he can in your life. And and it gets you down. And it's easy when that happens to lose sight of God, isn't it? It's easy to lose sight of how good God is and how amazing God is and all the good things that God's doing and all that negativity and all that sadness and all that stress and all that anxiety. Boy, it just weighs down and it feels like this entire building is just sitting on your shoulders and you're about to cave at any moment. And then Nehemiah says, hey, remember the Lord and remember who He is and remember what He's done and remember how great and how amazing God is. Can I say this morning that there's not a situation going on in this world that is taken away from the sovereignty of God. There is not a pain that anybody is feeling today that has made the grace of God any less than it was yesterday. There is not a circumstance that you've ever experienced that has belittled the power of Almighty God. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our circumstances might change and things in our life might be different but God will always be the same and what we need to do in those moments and in those days is we need to 
remember Him. We need to remember that He is still the Almighty. We need to remember that God is still the way maker. He is still the God of all comfort. The God of all grace. He is the God of peace. Boy, we could go on and on. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. And He hadn't got any less than He was before. And He'll always be the same. You say, but preacher, my situation is dark. God's brighter. You say, my load is heavy. Hey, He's stronger. It doesn't matter what's going on. Remember the Lord and put our focus and set our affection on Him and just consider who He is and what He's done. The weight of our family, our health, our career, and all of these other things. Boy, they just weigh down so heavy. But let's just remember Him for a little while. And let's remember what He's done. Hey, let's remember that He saved me from a devil's hell. And that He gave me the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of me. But let's remember that every time that I ever walked up to a mountain, God either made a way over or God made a way through. And every time I found myself in a valley, that there He was right beside me. And every time that I looked at the sea in front of me, somehow God got me across it. And every time a storm rose up in my life and I didn't know what to do. There was the one who spoke and calmed it all. We tend to forget every good thing that God has ever done when one bad thing comes up. And what we need to do is just remember that, hey, God has always been faithful to me. God has always been good to me. He got me through it in the past. He's getting me through it right now. And for whatever comes tomorrow, I'm going to trust him that He's going to get me through that as well. And in these moments, Nehemiah simply wanted the people to remember the Lord. You say, why? why? Why do they need to remember the Lord so much? Let me just give you three things and I'll be done from our text. Number one, remembering the Lord would help them overcome their fears. He told them in verse number 14, to fear, or He said, be not ye afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemy. It, you know, that's a pretty big task, isn't it? To, to, to take the fear that you have of this enemy that is trying to surround you and destroy you. And for Nehemiah, just to say, well, don't be afraid of them. But, but here's what's interesting to me. When Nehemiah said, be not afraid of them, he didn't say, and go look in the mirror and see how strong you are. Nehemiah didn't say, y'all remember how big y'all are. Nehemiah didn't say, remember how strong you were. Remember what the temple used to be like and what the wall used to be like. Nehemiah didn't say, don't be afraid of them. They're just a bunch of weak fools anyways. No, Nehemiah said, don't be afraid of them. Well, how can I overcome my fear, Lord? Remember me. Remember Him. And remember all that He's done. And all that He is. What we tend to do is look at the rubbish that sits there. And we say, but preacher, there's too much rubbish in my life. And it's an impossible task for it to ever come together. If we would remember the Lord, we would say, hey, with God, all things are possible. And it doesn't matter how much rubbish there is. It doesn't matter how bad it is because God's greater than it all and God can bring it back together and God can do it. You say, well, the enemy surrounds me. You say, the enemy hates me and he's all around me. Can I say, if you're a child of God, the enemy can multiply their position in your life in the amount of demons that hate you and they would still be less than the Almighty. They could surround you around those that have already surrounded you. And on the inside, the one that lives there will always be greater than He that is in this world. And you and I, when we remember that, 
It helps us to overcome our fears. When we remember all that He has done, we remember who He is and what He's done for others, what He's done in our life, then we find the ability to overcome these fears that we have. Everybody has different fears today. Some people have a fear uh, of stepping out in faith and the unknown. What's it going to be like if I take this step of faith, Lord, and I don't know how things are going to work out? What's it going to be like if I if I stand before people, Lord, and I, you know I don't, I'm not good at this, whatever it may be, or you say, Lord, I I'm afraid to go back to work or school and live bold because I don't know what people are going to think about me. And there's just fears that just fill our mind and anxiety. And the Lord is saying, Listen, don't focus on your fears. Focus on God and focus on who He is and what He can do, and that will help you overcome your fears. I've heard preachers say before that fear is only overcome when faith begins. When we finally put our faith, not just that we believe God is real, but we believe that God is able, and we believe that God is present, and we believe that God is willing, and we begin to trust God with our life because we remember who He is. We remember what He's done. Then it gives us what we need to be able to overcome those fears. I want you to look at what He wanted them to do. He said, listen, remember the Lord. He's great and terrible. Look at this. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You see, God didn't want them to fret. God didn't want them to flee. God didn't want them to fear. God didn't want them to do any of that. Here's what God wanted them to do. God wanted them to fight. God wanted them to go out there and stand up for, for Him, to stand up for their, their brethren, to stand up for their daughters and their sons and their wives and their family, and to go out there and fight. And can I say today, one of the problems I think that we have as Christians is we've laid our fighting gear aside, and we've just allowed the devil to have his way in our life, in the world that we're in. We've just allowed the devil to beat up on our kids, and to beat up on our homes, and to beat up on our wives, and to beat up on our brothers and sisters in Christ, and all the while we're sitting back as a spectator and Nehemiah said listen don't be afraid of that enemy but you remember God and how great he is and then you get out there and you fight for one another and you fight the good fight of faith and you quit being a spectator and you get in the game and you do something for the Lord Jesus Christ that we don't let the fear keep us back from serving the Lord but instead we let our faith get we let our faith encourage us and get us out there in in the fight. Paul didn't say that I watched a good fight. He said I fought a good fight. I was in the middle of it. I wasn't watching while everybody else did it. But I was doing something for the Lord. This world wants you and I. It wants us to remain silent. It wants us to keep down the down low. It wants us to stay in our little bubble. Can I say this world would like nothing better than for what you and I have to stay within the four walls of this church building. And the world's alright with us having the gospel as long as the gospel don't leave the doors back there. The world's alright with us talking about Jesus as long as we don't do it out there. The world's alright with us preaching our stand, the standard from the Word of God as long as we don't do it out there. If we just stay in our little building, they'd be alright with that. But can I say God didn't call us to do the work of God in a building only. He called us to do the work in the world in which we live in. And we have to have the faith to overcome these fears and get out there and fight for our family. To fight for the work of God and for the people of God. Because if I don't fight, 
If I don't fight for my kids, you know what I've done? I've just tossed them over to the devil. We look around and I've heard people say, boy, I don't know how anybody could just take their kids and just give their kids to somebody else. Can I say, if you've laid down on fighting for the Lord, you've given your family over to the world. If you've said, I'm not going to raise my children in the admonition, the nurture, and the admonition of the Lord. If you've said, you know what, I'm not going to make God a priority in my life. And I'm not going to make serving God a foundation in our home. Then what we have done is we have opened the door and we have said, Satan, here they are. Do what you want to do with them. We have quit fighting for them. We've quit fighting for our wives. We've quit fighting for our children. We've quit fighting for the work of God. And if I don't fight, how can I expect anybody else to fight the good fight that God's called us to? We've got to remember the Lord so we can overcome the fears that we have. But notice the second thing, remembering the Lord is what helps us return to the work. Look in verse number 15. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto His work. I like that. Here they are. They've cowered it down to some extent. They've allowed the threats and the distraction and everything that the the enemy is doing to to keep them from building the wall. They were doing good. Boy, wall was getting put together. Think accomplishments were being made. But now because of this, they have taken a back seat to it all. But when they remembered the Lord and they saw, hey, we don't have to fear the enemy because God's greater than the enemy. And the enemy realized that, hey, the people of God, the people of God, they're no longer afraid of us anymore. You know what the people of God did? The people of God got back to the wall and they started building again. They got back to serving the Lord and putting brick on brick and getting busy doing the things that they were supposed to be doing because they remembered the Lord. If you ask today and you said, Preacher, what's one of the problems that we have in this world today when it comes to the faithfulness of God's people, when it comes to the passion of serving the Lord, I would submit to you this morning that one of the problems we have is is that we have forgotten. We have forgotten how good God is. We live in a world where we are comfortable at all times. We live in a world today where we don't even, I mean most of us in here this morning don't have a clue what it means to really be in want of anything at all. To, to ever, I know there are some of you have experienced those things, but the majority of people today have never really considered where their next meal was going to come from, how their bill was going to be paid. I mean every Everything that we have is at our fingertips. When you consider the poverty in America is driving around in air conditioner, applying for things on an iPhone, all right, I would say that poverty is not really poverty as we see it in the rest of the world that is going. We have everything. We have all of these resources, and life is so good, and life is so easy, and everything just comes so much easier than maybe it did before in certain times. And yet, Yes, God has been good. But have you noticed before that many times the very things that we accredit God for being good are the very things that have taken us away from God as well. They're the things that we say, boy, God has been so good to us because He's given us all of this, but then we have given all of ourselves to those things and not to the Lord. And we have forgotten how good He is. We've forgotten how much the Lord has done for us. 
and how gracious He's been. There are many of us that have been saved for a long time. And you know what we do? We forget how good it is to be saved, don't we? We forget how wonderful it is to be saved. We've become callous toward the Gospel and toward the message because, man, we've been saved forever. We've, I mean, I look back, I've been saved since I was... I don't remember life not being saved half the time. Or I don't remember what that was like. And so we just become so familiar with the things of God that they no longer impress us and they no longer amaze us and they no longer cause us to be in awe of God because we're just so used to that. I would submit this morning that what we need to do is we need to remember the Lord that hey, if it wasn't for Him that I'd be hell bound today. I mean, if I died today, I wouldn't just go to the grave, but I'd lift up my eyes and forever in eternity I would burn in the flames of hell and there would never be a second chance for me to get out of there. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't either. That's why I got saved and I'm not going there, alright? But I need to be reminded that on my own and in my flesh and in what I have to offer, the best that I got is a front row seat in hell for all eternity. And without Jesus, I have nothing. There is nothing. You say, well, preacher, I've got a pretty good life. You have a good life because God's been good to you and God's given you what you have. You have the, the blessings and the possessions and whatever it may be, whether it be a little or a lot because Almighty has shown favor in your life and we need to be mindful of that and remember, hey, I have what I have. I am what I am. I'm not what I'm not. All because of the grace of God. And without that, I've got nothing. And I need to remember Him. And what happens when we remember the Lord, I believe, is we say, Lord, get me a place on the wall somewhere, Lord. I want, I want to return to the work. I want to get busy. I, don't, I may be shoveling dirt. I may be hauling bricks. But Lord, I want to be on the wall because that's where You're at. I want to be doing what You're doing, God. And when we remember just how good and how gracious God has been, there ought to be a desire in our heart that says, Lord, let me serve you in some way. Let me do something for you in some way. They return to the work. And then the third thing that remembering the Lord enabled them to do is I believe that it kept them focused like nothing before. As you read through chapter Nehemiah and you read through some of the parts there in chapter number 5, you'll read that they worked with one hand and they held a weapon in the other hand. Some men worked and some men watched. And all night long and all day long there was a rotation because the people of God were not going to let the enemy, they were not going to let these men distract them again. They, they were going to finish the work no matter what came. They were not going to let this enemy do this again. And if you look over in chapter number 6, I love what Nehemiah says. They're, they're constantly trying to distract him. They're constantly trying to bring him down. They're, they're constantly wanting the work to cease. In verse number 2, it said, Samballat and Geshem sent unto me, excuse me, in verse number 1 and 2, they heard of it again. In verse number 1 it said, when they heard that I had built the wall. You notice, every time that we read before, when they heard, they got disturbed. When they heard, they got angry. When they heard, they began to mock them. When they heard, they decided they were going to attack. Well, now they've heard again that the work of God is continuing to press on. And so they sent unto Nehemiah and said, let us meet together in some of the villages of the plain but it says they thought to do me mischief. And look at what Nehemiah said. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? You see, Nehemiah and the people had reached this point where they said, you know what? It doesn't matter what the enemy does. We're not coming off the wall. 
We're not quitting on what God's doing on us at this point. We're going to stay focused and we're going to finish the work that God is doing. If there's anything that the devil wants to do in your life, he wants to see the work of God stop in your life. I would encourage you to do this this morning. Remind yourself that if you're doing something for God, you're doing a great work. If you're doing something for God and God's working in your life, God's working in your family, God's working in this church, whatever it may be, you're doing a great work for God. Don't come off the wall. Don't, don't quit. Don't give the devil what he wants. Don't, don't let the devil have any room this morning. But you say, look, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. You say, how do you know you're doing a great work? Because I remember the Lord. I remember what He's done for me. I remember who He is. I've seen His hand in our life and I'm not going to quit just because the devil has offered some kind of distraction. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know this, if you've reached a breaking point, if you have reached a place of being overwhelmed, if you have reached a place maybe where you have drifted from serving the Lord, there's one solution I believe to every bit of it that will help us this morning, and that is if we will block off everything else that's going on. And we'll just remember the Lord for a little bit. Take time and just say, Lord, help me. Stir up those memories, boy. Stir up those memories of every time that you did something good in my life, God. Every time that you kept me from something or you gave me something or when you saved me. Don't let those get hidden in the closet of my heart, God. But keep them in the very forefront of my mind so that I may ever be mindful of all that you have done for me. Because when we are mindful of God and we are mindful of all that He's done for us, then we are much more likely to stay close to Him, to serve Him, and to not be afraid of this, the world that we live in and the enemy that's after us. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank You so much for this day. Lord, Your blessings of life that You've given to us, Your Word that we have. Father, it's so easy to reach a point sometimes in life where we are overwhelmed with the cares and the anxieties, the fears. Lord, where we drift from serving You like we should. Father, I pray that this morning You would just stir in our hearts all of the memories that we have of You. Everything that You've ever done for us, Lord. Every good thing, every blessing, every moment that You've ever touched us in some way, moved in some way, met a need for us, Lord. And that there would just be an overwhelming desire to serve You and to give all that we have to You, Lord. And, and our abilities, God, to, to do what we can to help build the wall. There may be a lot of rubbish today. But God, you're greater than the task that's at hand. And we, we give it to you and we ask for your will to be done. If there's somebody in this service, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would understand that hell's a reality and that Jesus offers salvation, Lord, that you would convict their heart and draw them to that place today and they would be saved before it's everlasting too late. We love you. We thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?